0: Hi, my name is uh, Farid Kruzbach, and yes, I am confident that 5G will change
1: the world. Hi, my name is Sean Kenny, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the weekly podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer this important question, But before we get into that, I also like to use this as a way to get to know our guests a little bit better through a recurring segment where we post three questions from the Proust questionnaire. So, Farid, are you ready for those questions?
0: Yes, I am, Sean.
1: All right. Number one, where would you like to live?
0: Okay. If you had asked me this question about three months ago, it would have been a very different answer. I would have picked a big city somewhere like Paris and so on. But considering the world we are living in right now, I would say living in a beach community sounds pretty good to me.
1: All right. And question number two, what is the quality you most like in a person?
0: Um, To me, integrity should be number one quality for a person. And then that should follow also uh, reliability and consistency, somebody that you can count on to be able to promise you something and deliver.
1: And which living person do you most admire?
0: I would say uh, the person I would most admire would be somebody like Bill Gates. Reason being, I think uh, he's a very smart guy, but he balances all of that with giving to the community. And I think that's a good way to have somebody who is an entrepreneur and also a philanthropist.
1: So, can you briefly familiarize our audience with your role as a segment leader for ComScope's outdoor wireless networks business and then maybe give us an idea of how that fits into the company's larger strategy around 5G?
0: Sure. So, um, ComScope, starting January, split into four segments. Uh, the segment I'm responsible for is called Outdoor Wireless Networks. Basically, ultra wireless networks is if you go out and you see all these sites, these towers full of uh, electronics and antennas and so on, my team is responsible for design and manufacturing of those products globally and we serve customers globally as well. The way it uh, fits within the the 5G, for for a company you know 5g is all about wireless and uh higher speed type of connectivity and so on a lot of that is going to be outdoor as well as indoor the outdoor portion obviously falls within my responsibility
1: i really enjoyed this piece that you uh wrote recently that appeared in network world. I'd encourage all of our readers to, to check that out, but it, it contained a section covering some of the deployment considerations and challenges looking at 5g today, which is mostly non standalone networks where we've added this 5g carrier to an LTE ran and core, but you made the point that in the early days of 5g, you, you need that, that LTE surround as you transition in and out of 5g coverage but I just kind of want to look forward a little bit and get an understanding of what your expectations are in terms of operator investments in scaling out coverage in 2020. And also what a general timeline you're working towards based on conversations with your customers for a transition, excuse me, from non standalone to standalone 5g.
0: Okay. It's a very good question. And, um, just, uh, You know, having a non-standalone network will help with a more graceful transition from 4G into 5G. Um, As we all know, operators uh, can manage their CAPEX in such a way that they can use their existing 4G network while deploying 5G in areas that 5G is really needed. Places like big cities, um, indoor environment, and then once those are populated uh, they have uh, 5G coverage then they can start transitioning it to a more of a nationwide footprint. As far as transition to standalone 5G is concerned, I think we really need to look at it and split it into two categories. There's the sub-6 gigahertz and then there's the millimeter wave. Millimeter wave I believe is more applicable for areas such as small cell application, in-building environment, stadium, venue, concerts, stuff like that. And I can see that being a standalone 5G because you are really covering a smaller footprint where high speed is truly required. Once you go to outdoor environment where a larger area of coverage is required, I believe there would be coexistence of 4G and 5G together to take advantage of the lower frequency band. There's also this new thing called DSS, which stands for dynamic spectrum sharing that's coming up. This is where you could use the same frequency channel for 5G and 4G and 5G traffic simultaneously so you can you can see that even from a standard perspective, they're trying to come up with a way to be able to have a coexistence between four g and five g uh, in in uh, in the same network.
1: yeah, you raise an interesting point about dynamic spectrum sharing um a lot of of operators around the world have made public statements around their intent to uh, to use this to simultaneously transmit LTE and NR in the same band at the same time and just for the our audience you know this is essentially a a software scheduling system that can at the millisecond level balance traffic load based on demands that it sees from UE at a per cell basis but uh, I guess what I'm kind of curious about to understand is this question around net capacity loss when you're doing this dynamic spectrum sharing do you see that as something that will impede the adoption of dss or is the the slight loss in net capacity not significant enough to derail plans to broaden 5g coverage by using dss to share these lower bands that are associated with lte today
0: Uh Um. I don't believe that's gonna be much of an issue at the beginning because um, you know we have seen things like UNTS. When UMTS uh, started getting deployed, it took almost 10 years for it to get to something that you can truly say you've got nationwide footprint. I think with 5G, we are seeing a lot of activities going on in terms of deploying and so on, but really to get to a point that 5G is going to be the technology where everybody uses every day it's going to take a long time. So DSS um, is a good way for you to be able to start with some kind of a 4G and 5G coexistence and then transition it more and more into 5G. And at that point, maybe you can truly move into a 5G standalone type of environment.
1: Another thing that you covered in your network world piece that I wanted to talk a little bit about is this momentum that we're seeing in the uh, Open RAN community among organizations like the ORAN Alliance, like the Telecom Infra Project. So, as this ecosystem works together to collaboratively open up interfaces, work on interoperability, and I guess overall, Take a swing at shifting network di- uh, economics. What do you see as the opportunities for for ComScope there, and and what if any risks are associated with this long term shift towards white box hardware?
0: Okay, another good question, um, Sean. Um, ComScope supports ORAN, so let me just be very black and white on that one. Uh, we believe ORAN is an enabler to for innovation, where providers um, are bringing various technologies in one place, and hopefully by having a good ORAN standard, it helps them integrate these seamlessly and quickly. Um, our contribution for ORAN, and I think I think it's only fair for people to realize that. Uh, to be an ORAM player, you don't have to have everything. The whole idea behind ORAM is to be able to bring experts from various technologies together in order for you to have a uh, system. We believe our contribution for ORAM would be on the RF technology and product development. That's our bread and butter business. We've got a technology leadership global footprint as far as that is concerned. So, what ComScope's involvement would be, Our goal would be to partner with existing OEMs, as well as the new radio entrants. We don't do the radio, but by partnering with them, we integrate their radios with our RF products. And this way, we can offer a best-in-class solution to the network providers. As far as challenges related to, to Open RAM is concerned, there are going to be a lot of players uh some are small some are big some are companies of four or five people and big question i think that needs to be answered still is with these complex networks um what kind of ecosystem do you need to put in place in order for you to be able to rely on a company that is made up of a handful of smart engineers from a financial perspective from a product delivery perspective from warranty perspective all those things, I think, it's going to take some time for um, for people to come to some realization as to what is the best way for ORAN to um, to be put together on go forward basis.
1: So, just as a follow up question to that, you know, we've seen uh, Telefonica say that they will consider ORAN vendors uh, as they look to upgrade equipment across their multinational footprint, and then. You know, I guess Rakuten Mobile in Japan is sort of, you know, the, the proof point for the concept. So I, I'm curious what you expect here in terms of a potential jumpstart based on seeing it work at scale in Japan. And then obviously there are a lot of other geopolitical issues in play here that might make some of these smaller vendors more uh, attractive in particular markets.
0: Uh, I, I think ORAN will be successful, It's, but um, I don't think ORAN is going to be the only technology. I think some people are going to have a preference to use a turnkey solution. Some other people would want to, like Rakuten you mentioned, like Telefonica maybe, uh, would want to go to, a, to an ecosystem where they can start picking various piece parts and bring them all together. I think a lot of that is going to be dependent on this strategy they're going to take. From my personal perspective, I think to decide on certain providers of these piece parts and pair them up together would be more successful and faster than have four people doing the same thing and other five people doing something else and then say, okay, we're going to just be able to plug and play all of these and everything is going to work. Because 5G is a very complex system, and um, on the s- standards are defined in great detail, it's not going to be that simple for you to be able to plug and play piece parts together.
1: So we've talked a little bit about what's going on with 5G today and efforts to scale that out, and we've also looked at, at O-RAN's you know somewhat nascent effort to decost network infrastructure, which in and of itself drives network scale. But I, I'm curious, Farid, like, at what point do you think the world changing aspect of this comes into play uh, as the technology develops and as adoption uh, goes on an uptick? What's the the long view here on, on how this will truly be transformative?
0: Right, right. Um, I think every new technology Goes through some kind of a maturity curve and i don't believe 5g is going to be an exception to that uh, but again i would say i think we need to look at 5g split it into two categories the sub six gigahertz as being one category and millimeter wave being the other category um, as far as sub six is concerned because it's a frequency that's more being used in today's uh, wireless communication. I believe sub-6 technology is already there in terms of uh, maturity. The difference being 5G obviously is a more complex type of design, so using a mature technology, developing more complex products. So that's an easier challenge than if you look at millimeter wave, That has been less frequently used in commercial application. Most of millimeter wave, you know, the very high frequency, I'm talking, you know, 28 gigahertz, that type, 39 gigahertz, that type of application, they were much more in uh, military, in uh, not consumer product, with volumes were much more significant. And I think there is a technology curve that's gonna be required in order for it to become more of a mass market technology. If you ask for my personal view, in terms of how long it will take for it to meet um, network providers' expectation in terms of cost curve, I would estimate somewhere in the three to five years for all the suppliers to develop higher frequency uh, silicon, you know, ICs and uh, have more products that are working at that frequency it's just going to take some time.
1: If I could follow up on that one specific to sub six, you know, you mentioned that this is a more kind of mature area given years of experience working in these frequencies for cellular. Where do you see as as room for advancements here? I guess some of the things that immediately come to my mind are around. Massive MIMO and around or full duplex, but would love to hear your your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, um, you're right, and um, you know I did mention that technology is mature, but designs are much more complex. And you're highlighting exactly what I was referring to. Um, massive MIMO, obviously, the higher up you go in terms of uh, massive MIMO technology the more connectivity you need between radios and RF. And uh, the analogy I would use is is like uh, taking a chipset and and wire wrapping it. You can only do so much wire wrap before you realize that it doesn't work. So I think higher level of integration is going to be really critical uh, as you go to a higher level of massive MIMO. It's going to be important, very important if not necessary for radio and antenna to come together. And uh, all the connectivity between those needs to be more than just cabling from one into another. All of those things are things that uh, require some development in order for you to take existing technology and come up with new solutions that's going to meet the mass environment requirement.
1: Excellent. Well, Farid, it's really a pleasure speaking with you about this. And I'm glad you said that you are looking three to five years out. That means that I won't have to adjust the format of this show for some time as 5G will still be relevant. But again, thank you so much for your perspective and for answering the question, will 5G change the world?
0: My pleasure, Sean. Thank you very
1: much for your time. inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at The show today is produced and edited by me, Sean King. Thanks for listening.